0: All right, so we are continuing a uh, pseudo-advent series, I guess you'd call it, um, which has been a transition from our, our study in the book of Deuteronomy to thinking about Jesus and his use of the law and how he interacted with the law while he walked on earth. And uh, and so today we're going to be looking at Jesus in the temple. Um, you know, as I've kind of pointed out already, um, kind of one of the things that we've been seeing is that Uh, God gives this covenant renewal to the people, right, and wraps this scroll. And this scroll is placed against the altar of the Lord in the temple. And i would never seen this before, like, it's the first time I've seen this in our past study of Deuteronomy. We're just realizing how much Jesus embodies this covenant renewal document that's set there in the temple. And so we've been reflecting on through this time um, how that plays out in his life. You know, the Lord demonstrates to the people, as we learned in Deuteronomy, what they were to be like when they go into the land. Well, in Jesus, we have a very clear picture of what we are to be like, who we were to be like. And so we've been defining him uh, as this scroll and uh, considering the fact that he's the Word made flesh, right? Anyway, I've been connecting these dots and just been blown away by that little little tidbit of Jesus' presence in the temple foreshadowed uh, in, in that way and I hadn't seen that before and so I'm really excited about sharing kind of some aspects of it. This week we're going to be looking at Jesus and his interaction with the temple itself. So Jesus talks about the temple, he teaches in the temple, uh, you know, and, and tells us a number of things about the temple uh, that are very applicable to us today. So that's what we're going to be working through this morning. So if you would go ahead and pray with me. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be in your word this morning and so thankful to be encouraged and strengthened by your scripture and and by the life of Christ. And uh, God, we pray that as we reflect on how Jesus interacted with the temple uh, specifically, Lord, we would see that uh, the temple is really about your presence and your presence lives in us because of what Christ has done. And so Lord, help us reflect deeply about what it means to be uh, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, bless this time, Lord, may we be encouraged and strengthened by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, yeah, so today we're looking at uh, Jesus and his interaction with the temples. Just a quick reminder um, of some things we learned in De- Deuteronomy, hopefully. Yay, awesome. Deuteronomy twelve two: you shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You might remember that one of the things that God had called the people of Israel to do when they went into the land was remove all the other altars. And And the altars in this land were interspersed across the land. There were all sorts of altars everywhere throughout the land. There wasn't just one place. They were spread out all over the place. So we saw that one of the commands that they had to do was, you know, as they take the land, remove all these various altars that are there. We also saw... Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 10 and 11 some of this some of the uh, instructions were this uh, verse 10 to 11 but when you go over to the over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there there you shall bring all I command you your burnt offerings and sacrifices your tithes and contributions and and, and that you present, and all the finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. The temple is a representation. It's a physical representation. The temple, and not only the temple, really the whole land is meant to be a representation to us, a physical representation of a spiritual reality. And the temple tells us a couple of things. The temple tells us that the Lord is God alone. He's not worshipped in a whole bunch of different locations in a whole bunch of different manners. He's worshipped in one location. The placement of the temple in one location isn't necessarily about that location as much as it is about the character of God to this people. There's one God. God, the Lord God, is God alone. The second thing that the temple tells us is that God is a holy God. The steps with which the temple is laid out to describe this holiness are uh, impressive, to say the least. I mean, from the, the way that the outer court moves into the inner court, from bronze to silver to gold into a separated cube like shape in the middle, all these various things that we've seen in the temple are meant to show us the set apartness of God and His presence. There is none like Him. He doesn't interact with the earth in the same way that we interact with the earth. He is separate, He is set apart. In the holiest of holies, there's no light, <laughs> there's no light source given. Why? because God is the light. He needs no light source. So there's no light source inside the holy of holies because God is light. The temple is a representation of of God's uniqueness. He is alone God and his holiness. So this is what we are to see from the temple and what we saw as we studied the temple in Deuteronomy. So the question today is, how does Jesus, when he shows up, interact with this reality that God is God alone and and that the Lord is holy in this representation of what the temple is and what the temple is to be. You don't think about it much, but a lot of what Jesus did was centered around the temple. Jesus' interaction with the temple is public. It is found because he teaches there at the temple. He's not hiding away. Okay? Jesus' ministry and his life was not tucked away in a corner. He wasn't garnering some troops to, to come in offense against Rome or, or against Israel itself. He wasn't a meeting in secret in any way. Everything he did and everything he was was totally out in public. The only time he went to secret was to go pray to his father. When he's interacting, interacting and, and discipling uh, the 12 that he called. But all of his teaching, all that he was standing for was all out in the open. He didn't hide a thing. Who he was, was plain for all to see. He was public. Um, in his uh, trial, once it got to his trial, this came up. And his, one of the things he said during his trial is this. Matthew twenty six fifty five to 56. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against me as a robber? Sorry, this is when he was, uh, when he was betrayed in the garden. Um, At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has happened, all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Jesus' interaction with the temple was completely normative. He was sharing his teaching in the temple. He wasn't hiding anything. His parents took him to temple to celebrate. He wasn't hiding away from this interaction with the temple. He wasn't secretly building some offense against Rome or Jerusalem. He was publicly teaching on the power and very present nature of the kingdom of God. So Jesus' interaction with the temple was a display of the public nature of his teaching and of his uh, purpose. Second, Jesus and the temple, Jesus cares about the purity of of the temple. He respects the purity of the temple. He knows the purpose of it. He knows why it is there. He knows what it is for. And when it is defamed, he stands up. Matthew 21, verses 12 to 17. We talked through this uh, uh, at community groups this week. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out, sorry for the small, uh, small lettering there. Maybe check your own digital device for better font sizes. Um, Uh, sadly, they were taking this opportunity to make a profit uh, instead of be there to worship God. These people, it was actually okay for people to come to the temple or come to Jerusalem and buy the sacrifice that they needed to sacrifice during a festival. That was a normal thing if you were like in the north part of Israel and you didn't want to drag your you know, your sheep or whatever it is down to Jerusalem for Passover, then you would just go physically and then buy one when you arrived there. So that was very normal. That was a totally normal practice. The problem is in our, uh, you know, holiness perspective of the Pharisees and and the teachers of that time, they saw fit that the best place to buy your offering was at the holy place on the temple. just so happens that when you buy them inside the temple, they're a little bit more expensive, but they're better. So... (laughs) So there was this incentive to buy a more expensive animal on the temple because it was more holy, is what was said. And it just isn't true. Like, that was never a command that it should be bought there at the temple because it is more holy in some way. They were exploiting people on this fact. And people also were caught up in that, right? They're like, I want the best one, the one that was on the temple. That's really holy one, right? I bought my—where'd you get your sheep? Outside the gate? Ugh, I don't know about that. That sheep's rough, So they were making money off this idea that the the ones that were closest were more holy and, and a better sacrifice, and so we'll spend more money for them. That'll be a better sacrifice than the one I could get outside the gate. So again, normal to buy your sacrifice there in Jerusalem, abnormal and an offense to God to be trying to make a profit off of this need. Caught up in the Passover celebrations and the various celebrations, it was sadly an opportunity to make a profit off festivals. And people were selling goods for sacrifice in and at the temple. The temple was an environment so cluttered because of this that people, it could not serve its purpose. Its purpose was to be a place of communion with the living God. And here it is, a manger of animals just stocked full, selling them. And so yeah, when Jesus shows up and sees this mess of his father's house, he starts flipping tables over and starts making a very big statement that it is not okay to distract from the worship of God to just create some profit for yourselves here. This is a place where we are to commune with the living God. It is to be a house of prayer, Jesus says. He cared about the purity of of the place of God's presence. Next, we see Jesus' interaction with the temple is an understanding of where the power is. Sorry for all the peas. Feel very traditional with this alliteration, but it worked. So uh, Jesus cared and saw that the where the power was in the temple. It's interesting to see these people come and and say, oh, I'm going to get this really holy sheep from closer in, and I bought it from the Temple Mount itself, and so it's a better sacrifice, and so my sacrifice is better than your sacrifice because my gift is better than your gift, and like getting caught up in this mess. Because this is what Jesus says about that specifically. Matthew 23, verses 16 to 22. "'Woe to you, blind guides, who say, "'If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing.'" But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And if you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits upon it. Um, we had a question at Community Group, and I want to address this because, yeah, Jesus is calling them out for swearing by uh, the temple, by the, the gift that is on the altar instead of the altar, and by the gold that is in the temple rather than the temple itself. And so, good question to ask is, why are we swearing? <laughs> Aren't we not supposed to do that? And yes, uh, Matthew five thirty four. you'll remember this from the Sermon on the Mount. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or by the throne of God or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, uh, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil." So what is Jesus addressing? He's addressing a commonplace interaction with the temple. He's not approving of it, but he's saying, you fools, look at what you're doing. In your understanding of building oaths, which by the way is ridiculous and shouldn't be happening anyways, but given that you do that, let's take it to that step. You are swearing by the gold in the temple rather than the temple. You're swearing by the gift on the altar rather than the altar itself. Which one is greater? Does not the temple make the gold sacred? Does not the altar make the gift sacred? Woe to us if we think our favor before God is built on anything that we have made. They cared about having the best gift to come and put on the altar. God says, I am the altar. Like, why do you think your gift is going to be sacred? It's because I am the Holy One. Not because you had some special gift. It is not about the gift, but the one you're giving it to. Often we kinda, when we get to Christmas, we talk about that, right? It's not about the gift, it's about the giver. But reverse that with God, right? It's not about the gift you bring, it's about who you're bringing it to. The gift is made holy by the altar, and the gold is made sacred by the temple. Jesus is not saying, hey, it's okay to be swearing these oaths. He's saying, you're swearing these oaths, and by the way, you are totally messing up where the power is. The power in the temple is in the presence of the one who inhabits the temple, not in the gold that is there or the gift that is brought, but rather in the one whom you are worshiping with it. Jesus says, if you're going to swear by the temple, by the way, you're swearing by him who dwells on it. Would you like to swear by God? Right? No. (laughs) No. Better let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, oh, and if you're going to swear by heaven, you'll be swearing by the throne of God who sits upon it. Our giving is not about what we are giving. It's about who we are giving it to. So Jesus cared about where the actual power in the temple was. The power was not in the structure itself. The power was not in the gift itself. These are uh, aids to us to understand the holiness and goodness of God and his character. The power is in who we are giving our gift to. The power is in the presence of our God. Finally, we see Jesus' interaction with the temple And that he perfects it. He is the perfecter of the temple. In spite of the fact um, that we often ignore his call and his teaching that he shared publicly with everyone, in spite of the fact that so often we defame the place of prayer and communion with God, and in spite of the fact that we exalt our talents over the one who gave us our talents. Yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. John 2, 18 to 22. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? That was turning over tables in the temple. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Christ is the perfecter of the temple. Could you imagine being Jesus? I mean, you can't, but like just think about it for a minute. You're walking the earth, you're sharing this teaching. You're pointing out where the actual power is. Oh, and you're there in the temple, worshiping regularly, thinking, I made this from the beginning of time. This was in my mind. And there you are in it and seeing people just selling things. Not concerned with the presence in which they stand, but rather caught up in the gift that they are bringing. Not concerned about the purity of the place but concerned about how people are perceiving them. And so, yeah, when Jesus sees this, his house, the place of his fathers dwelling among his people, being torn to shreds by, by, uh, by this, he knows what is true and what has been true since the beginning, that yes, you will destroy this house. And I will raise it again in three days. I will give my presence, my body on your behalf. Yet, while you do these things, I will give myself for you. So we have to ask ourselves who destroyed the temple? Jesus says, if you destroy this temple, who? Who destroyed the temple? Me, I did. I destroyed the temple. You did. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he shows his love for us. The fact is, just like the Pharisees, just like the people of the day, Again, we, we ignored and have ignored God's call on our lives to follow him. We've ignored his public teaching. We've ignored the purity of the temple he has given us. If, if Christ has died for you, then you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that many times and how many times have we cluttered this thing up. We've defamed the place of prayer and communion with our God. We've been caught up in the gift that we bring to the altar, seeing so, so I, yeah, I came to church and I gave my tithe and, uh, you know, I, I did these things. See, my gift is enough. My gift is enough. I've done my gift. No. <laughs> these gifts are not what we earn. We give these things because of what Christ has given to us. So how do we apply this? How do we take Jesus' interaction with the temple and uh, interact with it in our lives? I'm going to go with a few things. First, this. The body of Christ is the temple. Today, there is no temple. You are the temple. Both individually and collectively. Christ has put his presence in you By his death on the cross, by your reception of him by faith, he is now living in you. His presence is in you. Do you not know that your body, uh, that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. God's presence lives in you. So we have to then reflect, how did Jesus interact with the temple? If I'm the temple, I probably better know how Jesus interacted with the temple because I am now the temple. The actual truth of the temple hadn't changed because the temple was always about the presence of God. It was never about all the things that represented. It It was always about who was being represented And so nothing has changed in that. Now, though, the presence of God is in you, and so you are the temple. So there's a few things we have to do as a church. There's a few things we have to be about as a church, and I'm going to give you three things um, that we're each to do to make sure we take care of the temple. First is this. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. A lot of times we get the body of Christ kind of mixed up, and we think that uh, the church is kind of where it starts in our relationship with God. Like, we start at church. Like, that's the starting point. And, I mean, I think we don't really do that as much here. We've been pretty, we've talked pretty much against that pretty heavily, but... We can do that in our hearts too. The church can often be this starting point for your relationship with God. And yeah, that might have been how you came to know Jesus. and That's a good thing. But if we're going to follow Jesus and his um, description of the temple, the first thing we have to do is watch ourselves. Watch ourselves. We're all connected, right? And the body of Christ is a body. If any part of it is hurting or breaking or struggling, then the whole of it is hurting and breaking and struggling. And so we have to watch ourselves and respect the temple just as Jesus did. So there's a few things. What did Jesus do with the temple? Well, he lived with nothing to hide. He lived with nothing to hide. He he was not trying to hide anything from anybody at any time. He was who he was publicly. He let his yes be his yes, and his no be his no. He was not hiding a thing. If there's something that's hiding in your life, think about that. Think about why that is. Consider why you might be hiding it. Live with nothing to hide. This is a pretty big topic because, you know, a lot of times we, like, look around our world and say, someone's spying on me, you know, like, because they're watching my... They've got my location and they know what I'm liking and what I'm loving and what I'm retweeting. And like they know these things about me. They know where I am when I am retweeting something. Like they know so much about me, right? And we get like, oh, like, ah, scared. When you're living like Christ with nothing to hide, you don't have to worry about that. Zero concern. What the government knows about my life. Zero concern. Thankfully, like in our country, that's like zero, zero concern because we're not, you know, being persecuted the way that other people are. So I challenge you, live with nothing to hide. Like, what are they going to come get from you? (laughs) Nothing. When you're not hiding anything second strive for holiness jesus cared about the holiness of the temple so much that he's running in there throwing tables around you know talked about this on thursday how fun it would be for me to just come in and throw tables around great illustration (laughs) but could you imagine like jesus walks in here and just like the first thing you're like that's jesus Right, You recognize him because you've been seeing him teaching around, and the first thing he does when he comes in the room is just start chucking tables against the wall. It's not the picture we have of Christ. We have a picture of him of like, oh, come here, children, like like I love you. Grace, mercy, it's all happy thoughts. (laughs) No, He literally takes this thing and just chucks it. That's how much he was offended, right? By what they were doing. And so I challenge us if we watch ourselves and watch our holiness, like Jesus watched the holiness of the temple. You are the temple, you are the presence of the Holy God inside of you. So, what are we cluttering our lives up with? What is clouding our vision of who God is and and what He has done for us? Strive for holiness. Third, if we're going to watch ourselves, we have to find our strength in the Lord. Don't find your strength in what you do for the Lord. It can feel good, you know, to to bring a gift, like we're bringing some gifts for Venezuela, right? It feels good for us to come and, and bring a gift and give it to people that are in need. It feels good to do that. Like we actually feel good doing that, which is like a human thing. But if we start patting ourselves on the back and saying, oh, how good are we? We've done such a good job. Look at this gift we have given. It is such a great gift, Why did we give that gift? Why do we give these gifts? Not for our own feel-good, but because we serve a God who loves every person on this earth, and we have a personal connection with some people that are in need. And so we're going to give because God gave us much, and we're going to give out of that. Find your strength not in what you are able to do, but what God has done for you. The power is not in the gift we give, but in the person we're giving it to. Our Father in heaven, ultimately. As you've done unto these, you've done it unto me. And finally, you're not going to do those three things perfectly. Like, I'm sorry you've failed, and so have I. We're not going to be able to live with nothing to hide. We're not going to be holy all the time. We're not going to find our strength. We're going to often find it in our own. We're often going to do that. Don't beat yourself up over your imperfection, but rather know that Jesus is the one that perfects you. So as you strive to follow after him, as you strive to do better in this, receive the grace of the Lord Jesus and keep marching on. Yeah, you know, you're gonna set a goal this week probably to like, okay, I'm gonna wake up on time, Every morning this week, I'm going to get up when my alarm gets up, and I'm going to go study the word and pray, and this day is going to go perfect. I bet you not. <laughs> I'll give you 40, 60 odds. I don't know. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. And if you start beating yourself up because you missed it the first day and then don't do anything the rest of that day or the rest of the week because, well, you already failed, then you're never going to move forward. You have to rest in the perfection that Christ has given you in his sacrifice. He has given you perfect grace. And so receive that and keep moving forward. Keep striving for holiness. Keep living without anything to hide. Keep finding your strength in the Lord. If we're going to be the temple that God has called us to be, we have to watch ourselves. We have to start here. And this is about us discipling one another, encouraging one another, building each other up at an individual level. Second, give yourself. Give yourself. What God is teaching you individually what he's telling you every single day, if you're you're doing that and interacting with the Lord in that way, he's got something to say to you. He's got something he's teaching you. And the fact is, what he is teaching you is not supposed to stay with you. What he's teaching you is to be given to somebody else. I'd say like 95% of what God is teaching you isn't just for you occasionally God gives you something that's just for you and it's a very personal thing and you're going to keep that to yourself. But most of the time, what God is teaching you, he wants to teach you so you can teach somebody else that. This is why every week we have this rhythm of community group. This is what this is about. It's that God is teaching us each individually something about who he is and what he's doing in my circumstances. And this time set apart to come and gather together in community is a time for me to give myself to my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a time for me to know my brothers and sisters in Christ better than I can on a Sunday morning. It's a time for me to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ as needs come up, right? Like, as you meet someone at community group and hear, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. I actually need someone's truck this week. You know, does anyone have a truck? You know, like these kind of things, we serve each other in that. You pray for each other in that. If the body of Christ is going to be the temple that it needs to be, then we've got to know each other, serve each other, pray for each other. We've got to give ourselves up. This life is not about what you learn on your own. It's about what God wants to do in the body of Christ itself. He says, through the love of the saints for one another, that is how the world will know my love for you. As you demonstrate it to your brother and sister in Christ, that is how the world sees, wow, that person is going through some really difficult stuff, but they're keeping their head on straight. Where is that power coming from? Not themselves from the body of believers that is surrounding them and encouraging them and building them up in the midst of this. Give yourself. The foundation of the church is not about what we do programmatically on a Sunday morning. It's about who we are as followers of Jesus. It's about how we're serving each other week in and week out. Watch yourself, give yourself. So what is Sunday about? You might see my progression here. Humble yourself. This time we have to come and sing songs. Like when do you guys go gather with other people and sing songs? Anybody (laughs) gathering with other people to sing? songs maybe maybe in school oh maybe yeah fire pit okay all right all right all right all right all right oh yeah, there you go okay good we gather to worship our king our church service is about recognizing how small we are and and giving our week to the lord like just setting apart time to recognize you know I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. I'm going to take a whole day off this morning and praise you, God, for what you are doing and what you are going to do. It can be easy to get in the rhythm of this and think, oh, yeah, I would just go to church. It's like, why? Nobody else does that. They go to brunch. <laughs> They're going to brunch. Why are you doing this? You're recognizing the source of your power is King Jesus. You're worshiping him for this faithfulness to you and what he's done for you on the cross. We humble ourselves under the proclamation of his truth, the proclamation of his character. We need to be reminded when we're weak that God is strong in proclaiming this unto one another. We have this time to encourage each other and build each other up. It is a time to humble ourselves and give God the praise that he deserves. Church is not a place where you come to just receive. It's a place where you come to give yourself and be yourself to your brothers and sisters in Christ and build them up because each of us, I know, each of us have been through something this week. And each of us are about to step into something else the coming week here. And we need each other. We need to be reminded of where our strength is found. It's not found in some gift you can give. It's found in the giver, the Lord Jesus who has given you so much. So if we're going to be the the temple, the body of Christ as the temple, then we've got to watch ourselves, we've got to give ourselves, we've got to humble ourselves before God. To know His character and know His truth. To know where our power comes from. And to rest in the perfect grace of Christ Jesus who makes it all possible. As you reflect on the temple, I pray that you remember that this is about the presence of God. And the gift of Christ Jesus is that he has given you his presence. That the presence of God dwells in you because of what Christ did for you. And so let's struggle, right? Let's struggle with what, how Jesus treats the temple, Let's wrestle with that in our lives and and treat our bodies like we would a temple. Think about Jesus coming into your heart and saying, yeah, that's a, a changing table. That's a money changing table right there. What are you changing money here for, right? They're selling pigeons here in the temple. Why are you doing that? Let God clear out your heart. Let him come declutter the temple in your life. Ask him, Lord, what am I cluttering this temple with? Ask him, am I finding my power and strength in me or am I finding it in you? Lord, change that in me. Let's start treating this body that God has given us as the temple that God has inhabited. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful for what he has done for us. Lord, forgive us uh, or forgive us when uh, we just clutter ourselves up with um, all kinds of content that distracts us from who you are and what you've done in our lives. And um, help us, Lord, to be wise in, in what we consume. God, whether that be media or nutrition or, or whatever it may be, God, help us see what is cluttering this temple Spiritually, emotionally, physically, God, we submit ourselves to you and pray you would lead us forward. Lord, help us to stop thinking that we have some power by the gifts we give. Help us wholly and completely concentrate on the one we're giving this gift to and praise him for his glory and might and majesty. Lord, help us not grow... Weary in doing what is good, help us stand on the grace and mercy of Christ Jesus who perfects this temple, though we fail day by day. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.